1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, often known as the love chapter. says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor, and if I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. As we come to a conclusion of our current sermon series, which we've called Jesus' Terrible Financial Advice, I want to rest on this premise. Our willingness to give is a reflection of our love. We have been talking about finances. We've been talking about Jesus' financial advice for many, many weeks now, seven weeks in fact. And today as we conclude, I again want to say our willingness to give is a reflection of our love. Now I read two statements earlier in the service. One's true, one's false. In my mind, one is true, one is false. Based on Scripture, one is true, one is false. And here are the two statements. They're up there on the wall. It is impossible to give without loving. And the second is, it is impossible to love without giving. One's true, one is false. We'll just leave those up there and you can decide for yourselves which one I believe is true and which one I believe is false. These past six weeks we've considered Jesus is terrible, and I say it again, terrible. I know I'm going to get a pushback from this. I'm going to get some calls on Monday morning. Jesus is, I'm going to say it a third time, terrible financial advice to us, we started the series by asking, what is the greatest financial advice that you have ever received? We talk about Dave Ramsey, a Christian debt counselor, has the Dave Ramsey radio show and television show, well-known uh, financial advisor. Um, we talked about some of his advice, we talked about advice that we might receive from a, uh, from a financial advisor here in our community. What's the greatest financial advice that you've ever been given? And then we talked about some of Jesus' financial advice and why I believe Jesus gave some terrible financial advice or something that we might immediately categorize as terrible financial advice. Here's just one thing that Jesus said. 
in Matthew 19. If you want to be rich, go sell everything you have and give the money to the poor. Well, Jesus, that's horrible advice. If I want to be rich, I'm going to hold on to what I have. I might invest it, but I'm not going to sell everything I have and give all the money away. That's not going to make me rich. And so I look at that and I say, Jesus, that's terrible advice. If my goal is to acquire wealth here and now. But when I start reading more of Jesus' teachings, and I take it in the context of what Jesus was trying to bring us to as his followers, as his disciples, if you want to be rich, go sell everything you have and give the money to the poor, then my goal is no longer to acquire wealth here and now in this world today. My goal becomes storing up treasure in heaven, storing up kingdom treasure, being rich in kingdom wealth. And my mind begins to shift then. And suddenly Jesus' advice isn't so terrible any longer. You see, that's where Jesus calls each and every one of us. If you're a Christian, or if you become one today, if you begin to follow Jesus with your life and submit everything to him, this is where Jesus calls you. Anyone who desires to experience that kingdom life in eternity says give everything up and be ready to give everything up in order to follow me. Throughout this series we ask, or I ask rather, because I don't give you the chance to talk, is what will you do with Jesus' financial advice? See, you have the option. We all have the option. It's an individual decision choice that we make we can walk away thousands of people have or we can submit to him and say Jesus I don't understand this advice that you're giving Jesus I don't particularly like I'm not comfortable with the advice that you're giving to me or the call that you place on my life as an individual but I'm going to do it because I'm your follower and I'm submitting to you not just in this area of my life but in every area of my life <clears throat> Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is actually where we began this series, where we began to talk about Jesus' financial advice. This is the Sermon on the Mount where he begin, Jesus begins <coughs> his first sermon. Matthew chapter 5 records these very Words. I want to jump around within this chapter here just to, to reiterate some of the points that Jesus makes in finances just in this one sermon. He begins by saying, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, I don't feel blessed when I'm poor, but I like the idea of inheriting the kingdom of heaven. So I'm willing to walk with you even when I'm poor in this world today because I'm looking toward that end goal. I'm looking toward that inheritance of eternity in glory in heaven and all the heavenly treasure that you have in store for me, that you've promised to me. So I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to submit to you, Jesus. Blessed are the poor, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's verse 3. Jump on down to verse 4. 
40, and Jesus gives some really sound advice. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Somebody wants to take your shirt, let him have your coat as well. Then he says in verse 42, give to the one who asks and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Every time I read that verse, I get a picture, and I don't know why it is. I get a picture of one of you coming to my house and asking me for a bunch of tools from my garage. And I don't, I don't know why I get that mental picture, but that's the picture that I draw every single time. And it's not because I protect my tools or my, my, uh, my, I, I, the, the things in my garage, and I probably wouldn't even know if one of you came and stole some things from my garage, to be completely honest, but that's the picture I get. Somebody comes and they say, can I borrow this? And immediately my mind, and maybe your mind goes to the same place. Well, maybe, let me see, when is the next time I might possibly need that thing. I haven't used it in three or four years, but I might possibly pull it down off the shelf in a couple of years. I mean, that's the same reason we don't get rid of things in our closets, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. That's why we don't get rid of things in our closets. Well, I maybe, maybe I haven't used it, but I might down the road use it in the future. Someone wants to borrow from you. Jesus says we're supposed to give it away. And again, I say this is terrible advice if our goal is to acquire wealth, to store up wealth, earthly treasure today. But then we find out from Jesus that if we desire to follow after him, if we want to experience the kingdom life that he has in store, that he promises to us, that we are actually, get this, forbidden from storing up treasure here on earth. We're forbidden from storing up earthly wealth and putting it away and saying, well, I might possibly down the road, maybe later need that. I don't need it right now, and I, I don't see it in any time in the foreseeable future, but I'm going to store it up just in case God does not take care of me then. Did I say that? I did say that. Can't take it back. Once I say it, I can't, I can't take it back. Turn maybe a page in your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 and following. Jesus says, do not, do not, this is for the church. Are you with me? This is what he says. Do not, disciples, do not, followers of Jesus Christ, store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal... But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now I understand that that's difficult advice for us to, 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 to hear, difficult uh, 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 directions for us, to, under, to, for, for us to, to live out. I want to be honest with you, it's difficult for me as well. But I can't argue with it because Jesus said it. I can't find a way around it because it's very, very clear about what he's saying here. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but instead store up treasure in heaven. And then Jesus says this in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And maybe we could swap that word heart for life, attention, 
admiration, dedication, commitment. All of these things are true. And then in verse 24, he wraps his whole teaching up there by saying, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But friends, I want to tell you, God is not after your money. Can I get an amen to that? Somebody was telling me that they, they just, uh, they just uh, went and they, they uh, served for about two weeks down in uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, and um, while they were there, they, they changed the currency three times, or twice, sorry. There were three different currencies. They changed the currency twice while they were in Zimbabwe for two weeks. And uh, they said it, it had just gotten so out of hand that uh, uh, somebody, uh, pe- people were holding uh, $10 million bills or whatever the currency was at that time. $10 million, you know, and that's how they were buying packs. A pack of gum, they said, cost like $300 million, whatever the currency was. And they said it had gotten out of hand, so they had to change it over. I think about our currency today, and I once heard a, a, a preacher say, our money, our currency is like monopoly money before the Lord. He does not need it. He owns everything. He does not need our money. And so I say again, God does not desire your money. He desires your love. That's it. And since we hold so tightly to our money, we hold so tightly to our earthly treasure, God tries to to chip away at that a little bit and say, listen, you cannot serve money and me. You are so devoted to your money and to your earthly treasure, earthly wealth, that you are blinded to the fact that you are not serving and loving and worshiping me. I think how difficult sometimes it is to preach about money. Why is that? Why is it difficult to preach on money? Well, because pastors and churches are always after your money, aren't they? I didn't hear any amens, and I'm glad for that. Say amen to that. Hey, why, why, why is that? Why is it so? Jesus didn't have any trouble talking about money because he wasn't after money. I think the only, only time we're really, we really struggle to talk about money is when we are after your money. That's the truth. But the church shouldn't be after your money. I shouldn't be after your money because God's not after your money. But instead, if we have your best interest in mind, if we want to teach you what God's Word says, we're going to talk about money. And if money comes between you and God, we have a problem. So God calls us to, and here's the word, give. God calls us to give. Why? So that we might know him better. When we learn how to give, we understand that God has first given to us. When we learn how to give, it sets us free from having money as our master, as the one that we serve. See, we're we're called to accept Jesus as our Savior, the one that has saved us from the penalty of sin, as well as our Lord, the one that will give us direction for our life. And when our Lord says, do this, we do it. 
Because there's no second option. There's no backup. Otherwise, he's not our king. He's not our Lord. He's not our master. So Jesus says, give so that you might know God's heart a little bit better. You might be drawn closer to him. God says, Jesus says, give to set us free from these false gods in our world. Jesus says, give so that we might be prepared for kingdom living. And so I come back to this statement that's up here on the wall. Your willingness to give is a reflection of your love. Your willingness to give is a reflection of your love. And I say this, it is impossible to love without giving. Think about that for a minute. It is impossible to love without giving. If you say, well, no, 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 Pastor, that's wrong. Because I love Jesus, but I don't give to the church. And I reference verse uh, 13 of John chapter 15, Jesus' words. Because I said, you can't argue with Jesus. When Jesus said it, we have, to, we have to listen and we have to obey. This is what he says. Greater love has no man than this, that he would give up his life for his friends. Did you hear that? That he would give up his life for his friends. God so loved the world that he served. He gave. He gave everything that he had. He gave his one and only begotten son. So that we might be saved. So that we might come to a knowledge of his saving grace. So that we might know him better. God so loved us that he gave. And then Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he would give up his life for his friends. So if love is equated to, to giving up our life, then why are we holding on to the things in our wallets or our purses so tightly? If Jesus calls us to give up our life, wouldn't a simpler thing just be to open up our checkbooks and say, well, God, I'm willing to give if you call me to give. Now, I'm not going to collect another offering today, so just... Just calm down. Because I'm not after your money either. More than that, I hope that we all have our eyes opened to realize throughout this, all of Jesus' teachings, what he is after is our heart, our love, our dedication, our worship of him. Great love begins with great giving. Great love begins with great giving. But is great giving necessarily great love? No, absolutely not. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, if I give all that I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I am nothing. I am absolutely nothing. Nothing. I think back to uh, Matthew 19, Jesus, I already read this verse, but Jesus said to the rich man, if you want to be rich, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, but he did not stop there, then come and follow me. It was not enough for him to give all of his earthly treasure away, he said, then come follow me. Great loving begins with great giving, but great giving is not necessarily great Loving. I can give everything that I possess to the poor, but if I do not have love, I gain nothing, and I am nothing. 
So I want to ask this morning, is your giving done out of love? Is your giving, whether that's through, through uh, dollars and cents and through your finances or through your, your acts of service or through your commitment to the church or through whatever it is, is your giving done out of love? See, Jesus knew the the hypocrisy that surrounded giving, and he warned us not to do it for show. One more passage, Matthew chapter 6, just a few verses, and this is also Jesus' sermon on the mount. This is what he says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, that is, giving, to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. That's when we got to pay attention, friends. Anytime Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you better underline that and highlight it and say, oh, I better listen to this one. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know, that's my left hand, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now what does this mean? Let's take a few instances. Does that mean that when we collect our, 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 our tithes and offerings, when we do our offering, does that mean that we are to secretly do it, that we are to hide it and you know, put, a, put a, a, a curtain around our giving and, and then not let anybody know that I put a tithe in, that I put an offering in? No. Instead, what that means is that I shouldn't stand up and shout about it and say, look how much I'm giving this week. Amen? What else does that mean? That means that when we go and we serve, that we shouldn't shout it from the rooftops and say, look how much I'm doing. I'm doing more than this person. I'm doing more than this person. I'm doing more than any of you. No, it means that we should just serve. Do not let your... Be careful, he says. Do not let your acts of righteousness before men be done before men so that you might be seen by them. For I tell you that if you do, you have received your reward in full. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. I had a preacher tell me one time, you need to give to the church. And I said, well, that's a conversation I need to have with my wife. And he cited this verse and he said, no, don't let your left hand know, that is your wife, know what your right hand is doing. Ooh. I didn't like that at all. Because it's, it's twisting the scripture, isn't it? Do not let your wife know what you're doing. Don't misread this. Jesus is not saying that we need to put a curtain around everything that we do and that we're supposed to hide it. No, Jesus says, just don't don't go out into the streets yelling to other people and saying, look, I give so much. 
I sacrificed so much. Jesus says, no, just love. Just love. Give your heart and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Is your giving done out of love or is it done for show? Is it done out of love or is it done for show? Paul wrote, without love it's meaningless. It's worthless to give. There is no further reward. Jesus said your reward is void unless you give in love. And so I say again, your willingness to give is a reflection of your love. God, I pray today that you would guide our lives, that you would guide our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that we would today, Lord God, once again submit to you. And that God, as we come to a conclusion of this series, that it would not be the end of your speaking to us, Holy Spirit. If we're honest, God, we would admit that there are many, many areas of our life, Lord, that, that, we, that we hold on to earthly wealth. We hold on to earthly treasure rather than submit it to you. So, Holy Spirit, if you would, move among us now. Convict us if needed. Reveal your truth to us, Lord. Not to, not to hurt us. Let us know, God, that it is not to steal, Lord, any joy from our lives. But, Jesus, it is instead to point us to you. To teach us your character. To release us from the bondage of a false idol. A false God. And, Jesus... Remind us always that it is to teach us what it is to live a kingdom-minded life. Father God, we thank you. We praise you this morning for loving us so very much. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.